Once Podcast is sponsored in part by GoToMeeting with HD Faces. You're listening to Once, Episode 34, The Stranger. Welcome back to another episode of Once, the podcast about ABC's TV show Once Upon a Time. I'm Daniel J. Lewis. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. I'm Dan Flynn. And I'm Jenny. And we're so happy to have you with us. Check out our website over at oncepodcast.com. Join the forums for free over at oncepodcast.com slash forums and chat with a whole bunch of other Oncers. And also, if you haven't rated or reviewed us in iTunes, please do that, especially the reviews. Those are really cool and encouraging over at oncepodcast.com slash iTunes. And thank you so much to everyone who has left a rating or review. I'm excited because this is an awesome episode of Once Upon a Time. The stranger named, of course, after that we finally get to know who the stranger is. So starting from this, now that we've had a chance to rewatch it, and this is our full conversation about this, what did you guys think? In just a couple words, what did you think about this episode? Was good. (laughs) <laughs> good job <laughs> ditto dan <laughs> jenny me too <laughs> i agree <laughs> okay those are a couple words summaries of <laughs> what we thought about this episode amazing episode yeah but before we get into this i do want to talk to you about something else that is amazing it is our sponsor and the technology that they offer with online meetings see having meetings in person is really difficult because it can be expensive, travel, inconvenient, all of that stuff. But that's why you should have an online meeting that makes it really easy to meet with your clients and colleagues. And now it's in high definition. GoToMeeting now comes with HD faces. So you can have face-to-face online meetings with your clients or colleagues in high definition. It's great. You can even use it on the iPad. If you have the little FaceTime camera on the front, you can have your meetings on the iPad, or join meetings that way too. I recommend GoToMeeting because I am a paying customer and I use it for my clients. And it's really great because I can schedule a meeting ahead of time or just host a meeting on the fly. If a client says, hey, I'm having trouble with this, I just send them a link and say, click this, join my meeting, and we'll work through this. It's, it's great. I can demonstrate things. They can demonstrate screen sharing, HD faces, all of this. It's wonderful. Start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. Our listeners can try it free for 30 days. Don't wait. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click on the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. Be sure to use the promo code PODCAST. Thank you so much, GoToMeeting, for your support. And if anyone else out there is interested in sponsoring an episode of One's Podcast, you can go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor. So let's talk about this episode of Once Upon a Time. We'll, as we typically do, we'll split this up into Fairytale Land and Storybrooke. But first, I'm curious, have you guys seen the Pinocchio Disney movie? Yeah, it's been a long time. Have you read the Pinocchio book? No. It's actually called The Adventures of Pinocchio, and I'll have a link to it where you can get the ebook for free. 
from Amazon. It's a Kindle file that you can get for free from there if you want to read The Adventures of Pinocchio. It is a full book. It's about 125 pages, actual pages. And Jenny and I started reading it today, decided we didn't have enough time to finish it. But there were a lot of interesting things in it related to this. He was naughty. (laughs) (laughs) And, And stuff like the name Marco. I was thinking that in the book, he's called Mastro Geppetto. And it's like Italian or something. Is it Maestro? maestro? It's Maestro. Maestro, that's how you yeah. pronounce it? Okay. Because Maestro, to me, with my music training background, Maestro is spelled differently than this was in the book. Because in the book, it was M-A-S-T-R-O. But it's very close spelling to Marco. I don't know if that's intentional. Uh, or, I don't think so. Or not. Yeah, probably not. But I thought it was interesting. But there were Who's some... Marco? Marco is Geppetto's name in storybook oh okay that's why i was saying the connection there (laughs) and we didn't finish the book yet but there are a lot of uh, interesting things in it like the wood it was described as being just a regular piece of wood that um, pinocchio was made from but that for some reason it started talking and all of this and there were other marionettes that were talking and this was normal and fox and cat and all of this and some stuff that you can see transition to the disney version but starting now in fairy tale land from uh, this episode of once upon a time it's that scene in the ocean as they are uh, working with uh, trying to get away from the storm and the whale which is i can't say whether that's the way the actual book went but it is different from the disney version we haven't gotten to that point yet in the actual book But in the Disney version, Geppetto, uh, well, Pinocchio goes to Pleasure Island, and then he works his way back. Geppetto goes after him and left a note behind, or the Blue Fairy left a note behind. When Pinocchio gets back home, Geppetto is not there. So then Pinocchio goes looking, and that was that scene in the Disney movie where Pinocchio goes underwater, and he's asking asking everyone, have you seen all of this? Have you seen Monstro or... I just assumed if they're going for um if they're going from the Disney version that this was the part when they were trying to escape the whale after Pinocchio had had come. Well then yeah, it's it's kind of odd because you see the whale swallow them. Ah. Uh, which is what happened in the first place. It looked like in the Disney one. It was swallowing anyway. them, but that was something that I was kind of I don't know if frustrated is the right word, but I thought it was weird. That it looked like it was swallowing Geppetto, at least, and then he was just on the shore. Yeah. Well, in in the Disney version, he actually did try to eat them again, but he ended up crashing into the rocks because they were swimming towards the rocks. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I just thought it went along with the Disney version pretty So, this well. might be after they were already in its belly? Yeah, and they came back out. I, I just assumed that they were escaping well that could be i had forgotten or all of that they just took their own twist on the story yeah which we've Maybe. seen the writers do because yeah. they implied that the pleasure island stuff hadn't happened yet and it, it's all i, I know this I is storybook but that whole the whole conversation henry and emma have implies that the story of pinocchio was added to the book but is incomplete as we know it like it's right. not all there because the book only goes up to the curse Right. And then later they, you know, August slash Pinocchio and him are talking and he's like, we're writing the end right now. 
because she was like, "How? Why would you add your story and not put all of it in, or whatever?" She said. Mm-hmm. So, I think they're basically trying, which is odd because the implication is that all of our fairy tales that we all know are based on these stories. But if the real "quote unquote" story of Pinocchio didn't all happen, why would we have all that Pleasure Island stuff in ours? I mean, that's a little. Yeah, I'm taking it a little too far. <laughs> so you're saying they kind of split it and moved some of it into yeah. actually modern day in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they could have done that or they could have had it in both places. Like that there was a Pleasure Island back then because the way this the Disney story at least goes since I haven't gotten that far in the book. The way the Disney's don't spoil it for me by the way. I don't know. Oh, I know really. he turns into a real boy. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> the way the Disney one goes is that he went to Pleasure Island Geppetto went looking for him. Then the whale incident happened. So he became a real boy the after whale the whale incident. incident. Yeah. <laughs> but in this, in fairy tale land, he becomes a real boy because of his sacrifice. And the blue fairy says uh, something important to him when he starts out. Remember, Pinocchio, be brave, truthful, and unselfish. So long as you do that, you will always remain the real boy. Which is a line that Jiminy cricket says later to pinocchio as he's going through the wardrobe and those words uh brave truthful and unselfish were also in the disney movie specifically those words in that order that pinocchio should be brave truthful and unselfish um speaking of of the puppet did you notice his eyes they were the same color as august's but they weren't the same color as boy pinocchio Really? Yeah. Okay. I noticed that um, Boy Pinocchio wasn't the same color as uh, August. August, yeah. But But Pinocchio's, like the puppets, was they were bright blue, just like August's. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Good. Good catch there. How does a living puppet die? (laughs) He. It's not that he died. It's no, he died. But then, yeah. but you can't bring someone back to life. <laughs> I wrote so the same question down. It is was confusing. Turning him into a real boy, like a way around that, because now the real boy's living. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't. For their set of rules, I didn't really understand that whole moment. Maybe. Like, what, he waterlogged? Maybe, maybe he got the magic knocked out of him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. good. Because I, I was going to say something kind of like that, but not as intelligently as Jenny said it. Uh, the, Pinocchio was made, we learned that Pinocchio was made from an enchanted tree. Yes. So, like, so he was magical from the beginning, and then, uh, so, yeah, something happened that this whole thing happened, apparently, salt water. He got waterlogged. And, <laughs> like, if he had been in a vat, that water would have had magical properties. But it was just the ocean, so really, it's just all Like, all the magic gone. dissipated. Exactly. But if he, okay, right now, if he's turning back into Pinocchio, then if he does turn back into a puppet, um, can we just revive him again afterward? I mean, <laughs> he needs magic. Is someday. that what's going to happen? We think he is going to die. He's or something? sick and he needs magic. But I'm wondering if he actually is going to die and they're going to bring him back again through Emma. I can see him going into an, in, into a coma, a wooden coma, a wooden coma. <laughs> I mean, to the people who believe they're going to see a large wooden puppet, but the people who don't believe they're just going to see a man lying there who isn't responding. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. It's going to happen. Mm. Yeah, could I agree. Be. Then we see, skipping a little bit forward, 
in Geppetto's workshop. Now, this isn't his workshop in the castle. This is somewhere else. It's some kind of home. The blue fairy comes and tells him. Now, storyline or timeline-wise, which, by the way, we're updating our timeline over at oncepodcast.com slash timeline. We need help with that, by the way. This is after the pronouncement of the curse, but before the whole kingdom council meeting. Because the blue fairy, Geppetto, I guess, wasn't at the wedding. I thought we might have seen him in the pilot episode. I rewatched part of the pilot by... Why wouldn't he have been at the wedding? hearing the threat and knowing what it is specifically are two different things. Right, that was way before. Yeah. And this was after, though, Emma, or after Snow White had gone to Rumpelstiltskin, because that's why they knew that Emma would be the savior. So Mm -hmm. Blue Fairy comes tells Geppetto that Emma is the savior. They need to be saved from this. I want to point out a couple of things that I noticed. Did you notice the carved whale that Pinocchio was working on in the, like the scene in the pilot? Oh, is that what he was doing? Yeah. He was working on oh, a whale. Mm-hmm. A wooden whale. He was rubbing it with a rock. <laughs> <laughs> and that same whale is in Marco's workshop later. Oh. That's the thing that, yeah. Um, he's looking at when he well, goes and cool. offers his service. And in this scene where uh, the Blue Fairy came to Geppetto in his home, I think when when Pinocchio went upstairs while the Blue Fairy talked to Geppetto, I think he took the little whale with him too. Mm. So this and- is just a little bit before the war council. <laughs> in the forest then when the the... Blue Fairy took them to see this enchanted tree. She said it was the last enchanted tree. It's very similar to the one that Pinocchio was made from, but it's the last one in the realm. It's interesting, too. You see a lot of other ones around it that have been chopped down already. Yeah. Oh, really? You think those were enchanted, There were a lot too? of stumps, and they seemed to have similar oh. bark textures. <laughs> enchanted forest. What fairy tale was it that had enchanted forest was a main part of it? I'm sure a lot of them. All of them. Okay. <laughs> Rubble's girl in the chat room is saying, what's up with magic? Last magic tree, last magic bee. That's, I wrote that in my notes. You I'm did? Like, Why is everything so scarce? <laughs> Guess yeah. this land was about out of magic anyway. <laughs> and then you care if the curse came and tilled it. <laughs> but Geppetto there gets pretty angry at Jiminy. And we hear that Geppetto actually still has a bit of a grudge against Jiminy. You may be a conscience, but you have not earned the right to tell me what to do. I'm only trying to help. Help? Help like you helped my parents. Your debt to me can never be fulfilled. This is pretty interesting, too, because he brings his parents up again. And I had thought if Pinocchio, as a puppet, had become lifeless and magic was able to bring him back, then maybe his parents can be brought back into real people. Mm. I don't know, because his parents were originally real people turned into puppets. Pinocchio was originally a block of wood yeah. from an enchanted tree. I mean, she, the Blue Fairy said she couldn't undo it. And there's no real reason to bring the parents back. It would actually be a little bit odd to have young parents with an old Geppetto. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. Well, old Geppetto is now going to have an old son well, in, in it's Storybook. It's actually been 28 years. He would be younger than he normally would. Because he Geppetto didn't, would be, you're saying? Geppetto would yes. be. Emma may be older than her mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true too. 
age is just completely messed up for yeah. Emma and Geppetto. And uh, I mean, uh, Pinocchio. But then also, while uh, it cuts then, as, as Geppetto makes this deal, we tend to think that Geppetto was kind of selfish in this deal. But we got a nice email in from, uh, from Big Red. Sounds like Verizon. <laughs> wrote in this email saying, Hello, Daniel, Jeremy, Dan, and Jenny. I have some thoughts to share regarding Geppetto and Pinocchio. Regarding Geppetto's behavior in this episode, I happen to have a seven-year-old daughter, and if we had a big bad curse to end all curses coming our way, I'd stuff her in the first magic tree stump I could find faster than you could say, bippity-boo-bah. Bippity-boppity-boo. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Bippity-boppity-boo. All I'm saying is, I understand what he did. I get it. And I believe any parent would do the same. He was not being selfish. The truly selfish thing would have been to go into the magic wardrobe right after Pinocchio, and he didn't. He understood the importance of the sa- of saving the, quote, savior, unquote. Would it have been better for Emma to have her mother with her? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure it was a tough call to make, but like I said, I would have totally done it for my child. His actions are only a testament to how much he deeply loved Pinocchio. Regarding Pinocchio's actions as a child, my seven-year-old, about uh, leaving Emma there and going off with uh, the kid, my seven-year-old would have done exactly the same thing. I'm not saying it was the right thing. It's just the logical, natural thing for a seven-year-old with wanderlust to do. I just think that in this episode, the writers did a great job at showing what real, normal people would do, as unheroic as that would seem. That's just my two cents worth. I love the podcast. You guys are awesome and rock my fairy tale world. <laughs> Keep them coming. Regards, Big Red. So I would agree to a point. But, uh, you know, even if I can get past the statement, Snow can raise the child without her husband. Like, okay, this is my happy ending. <laughs> then the situation changes. So in the end, he sends his seven-year-old to guard a newborn. A newborn that is supposed to save his entire realm. Good idea. That's not really putting... I don't think everyone would do that. Well, there was the thing, though, of they thought the wardrobe could take only one. And since Emma... I mean, since Snow White had the baby, then she couldn't just step through the wardrobe. Then it had to be just Emma in, in right. his mind. Or his knowledge. Emma and red. Snow White. It still had power for two. Yes, but they didn't know that. Now, we got an email well, from did. someone. Uh, Geppetto knew oh, that. Oh, yeah, Geppetto did. Geppetto knew that, and he took the chance. They, he didn't know that he was going to lose Pinocchio. He was just afraid, if he kept him there, that he would no longer be a real boy. Yeah, which I, I still think it is partially selfish. I mean, I get it, but... It's yeah. a natural selfish. It's what's what would be expected of a father, a good right. father who wants to save his child. Mm. So I can understand what she's saying. I do disagree. I do think he was being selfish through it, obviously. But his selfishness was to save his son. So yeah, it was completely natural, which we actually have been seeing Emma, David, a lot of people acting very naturally to something that you normally in fairy tale land or fairy tales get the different heroic person. Um, but we are seeing a more humane uh, human person uh, human mm-hmm. side of these fairy tales yeah did you catch that line that he said sometimes we have to lie to protect the people we love 
Mm. I thought that was that went really well with the story of Pinocchio, since lying is not really good for him. So Geppetto <laughs> was just full of bad advice. <laughs> when when they went to this uh, war council kind of meeting, and the blue fairy showed up and brought the tree with her, it was the exact same scene from the original war council. But now we saw a couple extra glances in it. Now, those glances, we still don't know, were those originally recorded that way or were they added? Looking at it again, because I rewatched that scene a couple times, I think they were added. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. But maybe they had that in mind the whole time. And see, you know, I don't know if when they made the pilot, if they had everything in mind, but I think that they planned out the rest of it, at least once the pilot was accepted. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. It may end up that the other statement made in the pilot that we haven't connected yet, Snow actually saying that the queen gave her a poison apple because she thought she was prettier. They may just kind of forget about that and hope that nobody <laughs> else remembers it because, you know, it's a pilot. They typically do those things months before they do the rest of the show. They have to sell the pilot. Well, we still have yet to see that apple scene, so that could be something true. that they, the evil queen does portray in that way is because she's prettier. Yeah, and whether they had certain things planned at the pilot, they certainly did shortly thereafter. They've planned out the rest of this season and future seasons as well. Then when it comes to that moment just before the curse, when Geppetto and Pinocchio are working on the wardrobe, just about to finish, the curse is coming we talked a little bit in our initial reactions, episode 33, over at oncepodcast.com slash 33. We talked a little bit about what the Blue Fairy said, that she said, uh, I have to go make final preparations. Go back to the fairies and make final preparations. What were those preparations? Yeah, what's there to prepare for? I mean, it was supposed to be a hopeless scene. Well, we kind of talked about that on Sunday. Well... I've I've been hearing a lot of people discussing how they think the Blue Fairy has other plans and that she actually is going to live up to her original title given in the previous episode um, that, what was it, basically that she is, she seemed like the most powerful of them all, the original mm-hmm. source of magic or something. Well, Mal- Malcor sent us a voicemail with his thoughts on this, and I think mm-hmm. these are great. Hi guys, this is Malcor calling with some random thoughts about the Blue Fairy. Now, we've seen a lot of her in these last two episodes, The Return and The Stranger. Uh, In The Return, the scene where the Blue Fairy is speaking to Balefire when she produced the magic bean and gave it to him, uh, she had kind of an odd look on her face. To me, it looked like one of grave concern, which is not at all her usual smile and joy face we usually see. Uh, I was left with the impression she was lying to Bale but I never said anything on the forums about it because I thought she was genuinely concerned for Bale and she was just being sympathetic. But now that we know she's capable of lying, I'm not so sure I was wrong. And it just occurred to me that perhaps the Blue Fairy or Mother Superior is the author of Henry's fairy tale book. Now, if you remember, we were told from the pilot episode that the book is ultimately about hope. The Blue Fairy was desperate when she spoke to Geppetto about Snow's child being the only hope of salvation from the evil curse. And she was only the only fairy tale land creature to have witnessed most of the stories in the book, which is an important point, I think. She works at Henry's school, so she could have easily placed the book. 
And the blue fairy mentioned something to the effect of she had to meet the other fairies to make preparations for the curse, whatever that means. So it's possible she conjured the book just before the curse struck. Not sure about that one. Anyways, I really like your podcast, and uh, please keep up the good work. And my attention will be focused on the blue fairy, her mother superior, from now on. See you guys later. Bye. Great theory, Malcor. I, I like that. I really like that, too. I agree. I I haven't liked the blue fairy ever since the... Like, she split up Dreamy. Dreamy with... um. <laughs> you haven't yeah. liked her? I haven't. I think... Well, I mean... I don't think she... I think she's got more up her sleeves than what she says. And that she has a lot of other things that she's planning that we haven't known. Um, he had a... Malcor had a good, um, good point how she is involved with all the all the uh, stories. Does she really work at the school? Because I know she was doing the fundraiser at the school. Maybe that was the best building that they have for organizing mm-hmm. a fundraiser because they have chalkboards and stuff. Does she? I I think she probably does because there was something else that Mr. Gold had said about the school. But then again... Jeannie in the I chat room know. just offered the school is a religious one. Yeah, I've been thinking that, too, because of their uniforms. Usually, public schools don't have uniforms. Private schools. Originally, before airing, Mary Margaret was going to be a nun. Yeah. But they, uh, for obvious reasons, decided not to go that route. So, I mean, that makes sense if it's sort of like a Catholic school or something Mm -hmm. like that. Poor David, knowing that the love of his life is a nun. (laughs) Uh, Don't even mention David. (laughs) Don't even. Well, well, so... So, yeah, the Blue Fairy, here's my idea why maybe the Blue Fairy didn't include Pinocchio. Because remember, she, uh, Pinocchio added, or August added the Pinocchio story to the book. So, I'm thinking maybe because of this whole incident of Pinocchio getting to go through the wardrobe before Emma, maybe if the Blue Fairy did write the book, she covered that up in her writing of the book. That actually makes it even more probable that that's where the book came from, Hmm. now that you say that. I like the part of the theory that he says that she's actually witnessed all of these stories, so it makes sense that she would make the book, or, you know, prepare the book with all the rest of the fairies who, as Nova said, see the world at a distance, so they would see everyone's story happening. Now, here's a question. Do you think she has any knowledge of the future? I don't think so. Probably not. No, because she didn't foresee the curse coming. Right. She only knew that Emma would be the savior because Snow went to Rumpelstiltskin and found that out. But she's greater than Rumpelstiltskin. Right. But in the pilot, Snow said we should go talk to him, Rumpelstiltskin, because he sees the future. Mm. They, They could have, of course, they could have thought if the fairy was known for being able to see the future, or if she did, she would have come and said, I can see the future. This is how it'll work. But she's, she's not well known. Remember how, uh, Mora Moraine, Moraine, she said that there's a legend, you know, of Rolgorum. Although that was about 150 years earlier. Oh. We think somewhere around 150. Well, it it took a while for Rumpelstiltskin to become well known. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because Little Red was saying there, like she hears whispers of a man who's powerful. Uh-huh, true. Something to think about too is Henry didn't know who Mister Gold was, so he's not in the book. So what? What well, he, good reasons would there be for the Blue Fairy to not include Rumple? No, he's in the book. I think he just hadn't made the connection. Right. 
Even the original story? Well, wait, when you say original well, story. how he became Rumpelstiltskin. Um, I'm thinking it is in the book. I would imagine. Yeah. I've, I guess I've just assumed all this time that everything we see is in the book. Isn't there a drawing of the Zoso knife in the book? No, that was just okay. in... Okay, I, I guess I was thinking of something else then. Another reason little apartment thing. The reason I asked that question about Blue Fairy is because of the grumpy Nova thing. If she saw what Rumpy's what Grumpy's (laughs) role would be with Snow White and getting her where she needed to be for history to take its course and maybe if later we see that Nova played some crucial part in those preparations if they are actually important and not just a line then maybe that's why she was saying that to him. Maybe, but it seemed like in that episode, Dreamy, it seemed like Blue Fairy was saying that more because of, for Nova's sake, not for Grumpy's sake. True. but I, I could mean, be remembering that wrong. I mean, she mentioned them both, yeah, bringing but happiness. Is Nova really capable of being a fairy godmother? Like, <laughs> it seemed like, like, like the Blue Fairy wasn't, <laughs> like she was worried about Nova and, and like she even laughed at the thought of Nova excelling in being a fairy. I think if I were the blue fairy, I would let that happen. I would I would let it happen that Grumpy and Nova run off together if Nova is so clumsy. <laughs> Unless you saw the future. <laughs> yeah. Something else I just threw out there too. Um Rumble Stiltskin or Mr. Gold in Storybrook seems to have a plan. He created this curse and he seems to know what's going on. Oh, I was gonna say maybe like he and the blue fairy the fairies actually went to him and there was some backstory that we don't know about between the two of them. However, when they met in Storybrooke, they seemed like they didn't know each other except for rent. Well, Rumpelstiltskin knows who she is. Rumpelstiltskin knows who everyone is. Hmm. So yeah, probably. And that's why he doesn't like nuns. Speaking of Rumpelstiltskin knowing, how did he figure out that August was Pinocchio? They Uh, didn't show that. Yeah, probably just, uh, well, I think he did kind of hint at it that um, Geppetto's son was missing and he just put the pieces together, huh. maybe. I don't know. But yeah, that's a that's a good question. Yeah, it's interesting know? seeing that. I was wondering he, that. He would have thought that Pinocchio was small. Hmm. Maybe once he got the idea out of his mind that August might have been Balefire, he then just thought about, well, who needs magic healing? I mean, we kind of did the same thing of thinking about it is who else is there that we haven't seen in Storybrooke? Mm-hmm. What significant character? Maybe uh, Rumpelstiltskin thought the same thing. But then when we get to the part where Pinocchio comes through the, the, the wardrobe and then pops out through that, uh, <laughs> through that tree, that was cool. <laughs> There, it was like, more like bursting out. Yeah, and there was the ring, the like magical ring that came out from it, both when he came out and when Emma came out. Mm-hmm. Very similar to when Prince Charming kissed Snow White in mm-hmm. the pilot. It True. was a rainbow. <laughs> yes. It's kind of like when I travel. I That's how I travel. <laughs> you travel with rainbows? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. No, I'm conversing out of trees. <laughs> but when he pops out, he's, he's in this new place. He's scared. He looks up. He sees an airplane. <laughs> Lost reference here. 
the airplane is an oceanic airplane <laughs> and oceanic is oceanic 815 from lost now this isn't that actual plane right can't but be. and it's it's very small so you have to zoom in and catch it at just the end to see enough of the detail but you can get the color scheme from it so storybrooks like the island <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have a picture of this in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 34 it, it definitely is an oceanic flight and Rumpel's, awesome. Rumpel's girl pointed out to us on Facebook that when he gets kind of pushed back by the tree and he falls on the ground, it looks similar to Jack on the ground at the in the pilot of yeah. Lost. Yeah, so that that part there, the getting pushed back, he didn't. It seemed like he didn't remember what he was supposed to do until he touched the tree. Um, because at first he was scared just looking around. Then he came back and it looked like he was going to climb back in the tree yeah. for whatever reason. And then he had all these flashbacks. Well, didn't he get like thrown back? Yeah. There's one with, place. With yeah. the flashbacks. Well, it could be one of two things. It could be either that it jogged his memory somehow, or it could have just been for the audience, some of whom might have been confused as to whether he would remember who he was. Maybe it was just a way of saying, yes. Because he was protected from the curse, he remembers who he is. Mm. The only reason Emma doesn't know is because she wasn't really anybody yet. She was just newborn. Well, I wonder if Emma were to touch that tree, would she remember? I don't know. Or would remember she know what, her purpose? Womb? Would she remember? <laughs> would she oh, know her purpose? <laughs> I doubt it, honestly. Because she never did touch the tree. Well, okay. It, well, nobody, they, I guess it, nobody remembers like being but a baby she she might remember her purpose and remember she's a magical character so, who brought magic well august <laughs> left with emma left storybrook to go bring her to the tree she just left with henry so maybe she's bringing him back well we haven't seen her leave with henry yet. we don't know tree we don't know yet if they get out of storybrook yeah we, we only saw them driving away from regina's house uh but then continuing on emma is taken by pinocchio we learn later that he walked away from there to protect the tree, protect Emma in that sense. And they end up in foster system and they're in Mr. Raskin's house. Wait, before that, <laughs> I have to mention something that was just said in the chat room. If she touched August's leg, leg what would she feel? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Good point. I was thinking skin, just she'd like feel skin just the same way her. Emma was able to feel the heartbeat of you-know-who. Her leg. Ew. And she heard a heartbeat in Graham, so I think that she just... I was trying not to use his name. Uh, well, I used it. I'm so sorry. Well, we'll, we'll talk more about that scene in a moment. But then uh, Mr. Raskind... Now, the name Raskind doesn't have much significance. It might be more of just a nod to some... Uh, associations with disney similar to august license plate saying kansas that was a nod to the fact that disney was from kansas not wizard of oz kind of thing or okay. so far that we know okay but uh, except the phone august keeps using looks an awful lot like a hotline to oz yeah <laughs> does i don't it? know why it just <laughs> does even though it's not but mm -hmm. yeah. the the other foster kid who stole the money uh, was listed in the credits as Gordy. 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 Yeah. I was thinking that he he reminded me of Lampwick. Mm -hmm. Why was he called Gordy? That makes know. me think of the pig movie. <laughs> <laughs> and a couple little Easter eggs in this scene in the foster home is over Emma's crib. There was a little mobile mobile thing that 
had it looked like little wooden tokens and there were two icons i recognized on the wooden tokens one was a crown and the other a castle hmm. interesting very cool for being over the princess or or whatever <laughs> we assume, assume her royal position will be I just looked up Gordy Pinocchio, and all I get is Once Upon a Time references. <laughs> yeah. I can't even look up original stories anymore. Well, there's a Disney movie called Gordy about a talking pig. Yeah. And it's also, well, it's the name of a character in another movie, but Dachshund I've never the, seen the other movie. In the chat room just said, Gordy equals chubby. Where'd you get that, Dachshund? <laughs> Which, well, Gordy was chubby. To gorge and food. Uh yeah, it's actually uh, G-O-R-D-I-E is the spelling in the credits that you can find there. But um, so this, what's really cool about this, this is the first time we've seen anything in modern day before Emma in Storybrooke. Hmm? Because right. this is now 28 years oh, ago. Well, we did see, we did see her as a bounty hunter. Well, that was the day, the night that she comes to Storybrooke. Well, it was before we hadn't Storybrooke. we hadn't seen anything before that. Oh, so that's this that all happens like within days. Well, it's the same night that the bounty hunter thing happens that she comes to Storybrooke. Right, because there was the whole Raskin thing, and I'll, I had to sort of remind myself he's nobody in fairy tale land. He's from our world. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I was like, oh, who is he? All the kids, <laughs> they're not significant for fairy yeah. tale reasons. They're just in our world. Yeah. Mm. Emma looked like she was saying no as a baby. How <laughs> yeah, did they do that? She did. She looked like she said no twice. Yeah, I oh, thought she was just blowing a kiss goodbye. I know, that's no. what I thought. <laughs> it starts out at Mary Margaret's place, and August makes that lock on the door, which, I don't know, that, that doesn't look like it would hold someone back. Yeah, but it's pretty obvious if you break a lock. It, it's just to stop the skeleton key. Could be stuff. made of enchanted wood. It's funny from that, his leg. <laughs> now that everyone knows about the skeleton keys. I know. It's, like, doesn't that concern anyone? Hello, <laughs> your mayor has keys to your house. Yeah. All of you. Skeletons. Well, well hers is actually like, an apple. Wouldn't she go spreading that around? Like, you should install new locks on your door because <laughs> Regina has skeleton keys that will open your lock. I would do that. By the way, get her out of office. That's <laughs> called evil. <laughs> But, but then it's said in here or that uh, Emma is ready to be Henry's mom, yeah. which is cool because for a lot of this time, we've seen her just kind of settling for it, but wanting to make sure Henry is okay, but not like from the pilot. Uh, I saw part of this scene from the pilot where she brought Henry back after he went to his castle and Regina was like, don't take this as an invitation to come back into his life. And I was like, yeah, I'm not. Mm hmm. But Emma was concerned. Now Emma actually wants to be Henry's mom, and we see her take that action. Because Regina's end. a sociopath. Right. It's <laughs> ironic that Regina's the one that's pushing Emma to believe. Or eventually, I think. <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. But then that's where August comes in, and he says... You need to look at the big picture. That's the only way you're going to understand what you're up against. That's the only way you'll know how to beat Regina. And that big picture is, of course, understanding the whole curse and everything. Hello, she just responded to that by calling him new guy. <laughs> new guy. <laughs> like you know. <laughs> and there's more talk in this about faith. And like August even says, oh, come on, take a leap of faith. And Emma says, my kid needs me. I don't have time for faith. Mm -hmm. 
but that's it's it's so much and i see in our forums at oncepodcast.com slash forums so many are like come on emma just believe Mm -hmm. why is it taking you so long just believe i wouldn't believe which goes back to the fact that we're seeing a lot of normal people act normally right yeah so at the diner then as henry called code red he shows that the Pinocchio story was added, but it wasn't complete. So now we know August added, definitely added. The producers had said he added his story and he added Pinocchio. Why was that omitted from the book to begin with? Well, that goes back to our uh, discussion earlier about maybe the blue fairy wrote the book and maybe she didn't include Pinocchio. So as to hide the fact that Pinocchio made it through. I like, I like that theory, but why? Why? Wouldn't that help uh, Emma? Wouldn't that help Emma? I don't know. Maybe it's just a a special protection back door or something like that. Or maybe the blue fairy just doesn't like what happened. She was like, I'm not adding this. King and queen. I mean, they are supposed to be the most protected. So, yeah, they did just send their daughter through thinking it was the only way when they could have sent one of them through as well. But Henry thinks that the reason the story is added is he says someone wanted to tell us something we need to know about the curse. So the Pinocchio story tells us more about the curse, which makes me wonder at what point does the story actually stop that August wrote into it? Because if it stops at the point that August went through the tree, then Henry would know that August also escaped the curse or that Pinocchio. Oh, and also when curse. did it begin? Yeah. Cause we were discussing that earlier and Jeremy was a little upset how it seemed to be missing some of the story, but there could be more to it. Are you still upset, Jeremy? I, no. I'm <laughs> guessing <laughs> I'm guessing that the story stops somewhere around the whole whale incident, since that's the picture we saw. Maybe. But we we don't know and we may never know where that goes. But then as uh, August talks to Mr. Gold. Then, uh, well, he calls Mr. Gold. That's where it was. I'm getting, looking at this in chronological order. He dialed a three-digit number in order to call Mr. Gold from Granny's uh, place. Which is how it was, relatively speaking, not that long ago throughout America. Yeah. I mean, like my grandparents' generation, they had three-digit phone numbers. So that could mean, and somebody noted that he only dialed three digits the first time he dialed. And I know we've said that was probably Henry. I didn't think he spoke to that person like Henry, but guess what? He didn't really speak to the person. Well, when he called Mr. Gold, he didn't really speak to him like Mr. Gold either. So maybe he's just not great at phone acting. Well, he did say <laughs> Mr. Gold. Are, are I know. I know. I'm just saying that how he spoke to the last person he called may not have been an indication that it wasn't Henry, just because it didn't sound like he was talking to Henry. Because he he, he calls Mr. Gold and he talks to him in a very, hey, I don't know that you want me dead sort of tone. <laughs> yeah. It was just real casual. Like, uh. Hmm. Stepping forward to when Mary Margaret is at the school and Regina comes to bring Tron, the Tron lunchbox for uh, Henry. There's... Um, that exchange that Mary Margaret and Regina have, which is just like, wow, Mary Margaret, you are really being the bigger person here. And it makes Regina so upset. But what Mary Margaret says is, is gold. 
Even if you can't admit what you did, I forgive you anyway. Your life must be filled with such incredible loneliness if your only joy comes from destroying everyone else's happiness. It's so sad, Mayor Milks, because despite what you think, it won't make you happy. It's only going to leave a giant hole in your heart. So Mary Margaret is describing practically the symptoms that Regina is having from the curse. The whole like empty heart thing and how lonely she must feel because that's what Maleficent said to Evil Queen before she got the curse. As Maleficent said, this will lead a void that cannot be filled. And that's what hap- is happening. And Mary Margaret sees that. Yeah, like I said before, she just seemed very Snow White-ish. And then right after that, Henry confronts her. Yeah. It's like she's just... (laughs) Just getting hit on both sides. (laughs) No matter what you do, Snow White will have her happy ending. She and Prince Charming will be together. The curse will end. Good will win. (laughs) I think this provoked her to make that little... Play that little charade with with David. That was so disgusting, by the way. Um, yeah, it's like she planted her car right there in front of where he'd be coming out. She also put the note there that was blank. <laughs> and, and when she opened it, it said "Wow" instead of "Mom." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she just wanted Henry to have a father figure. No, <laughs> and. <laughs> And she looked all sad and played the part of the sad, sad wife. Wait, sad, sad mom. She's no wife. But is it like, <laughs> is that her last resort is try and seduce David? Apparently, because she was pretty upset when it didn't work. I'm so glad it didn't work. <laughs> I know. He did something right. I guess he's learning. Yeah. And we got a great email in or a voicemail in from Obi's girl who had some perspective on the things that everyone is doing in this episode. Hello, Daniel and Once Podcast crew. Obi's girl here. Watch The Stranger the Night, and I am not happy because August is Pinocchio, and I strongly believe that he wasn't. The episode was good, but wow, a lot of bad choices by some people. Geppetto, to me, was very selfish. Oh, he'll only help, but only if he gets to save his kid, and he forced the Blue Fairy to lie about how many the tree could carry. The irony is, the only person who made a good choice in the entire episode was David, because he turned down Regina, who was also less annoying than usual. And what is up with Emma flip-flopping? I don't believe, now I kind of believe, now she doesn't believe again. Reminded me of Siler. I hope Emma doesn't stay with the emo family very long. Those two girls were creepy. They reminded me of Wednesday Adams. <laughs> I didn't like the blue fairy before this episode, and now I really don't like her. <laughs> Those are my first thoughts. Can't wait to listen to the podcast. Creepy sisters? Talk about the creepy father that was where Emma was staying. Oh, I think I assumed all the kids left. Yeah, that's what I'm assuming, too. What creepy sisters? That were in the foster home. I think that's what I didn't what even she's notice them. About. I only oh, I noticed, noticed them. the you guy. See them, yeah, just for a moment, you see <gasps> what were the they sisters. Doing? They were just being creepy. Creepy? What were they doing? Being creepy. So I don't think Emma's ever believed. I think she's been freaked out by this weird town a couple of times, but I think she just goes along with it for Henry. She said sometimes it's the only way to get through to Henry. So I think that's the only reason she talks as though she believes. Yeah. I think she was in pretty hard denial 
mm-hmm. in this episode. Even in the episode Hat Trick, she didn't really... She faked her belief. Right. I don't think she was really believing. She totally faked that. Yeah, she did. But I think there is this thing that something doesn't seem right to her and something is bugging her, but she's in denial. I forgot to say on the thing of uh, Henry's quote where he was saying, good will win. Since I rewatched most of the pilot also for this episode, I realized in it, in one of the last scenes in Fairytale Land, Snow White says to the evil queen, just as the curse is coming in, good will always win. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to Mr. Gold's shop where uh, there's that, that really awkward scene of August comes in and there's his papa, his, or his father. So, so he calls Mr. Gold and says, we need to talk. Does Gold then say, hmm, hey, <laughs> what's his name? Marco. Marco. I, I have this clock I need you to come look at. Yeah. Just so he'll be there. I wonder. <laughs> it, it did seem, it was probably arranged, that whole thing, is that he probably did that on purpose. It's a coincidence that that was their old clock. Well, it seemed, I wouldn't say probably, it seems definitely that it was on purpose. Mm-hmm. It was just he funny. even had the questions set up to throw him off to see what he would think when he saw his, you know, Papa. So, Mr. Gold owned that clock. He well, owns he owns everything yeah. that's been it's coming his, through yeah. uh, from Fairytale Land. Everything's in his pawn shop. He collects. Except for the whale that we see later on. Did the Blue Fairy arrange for all those objects to be collected? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe that was part of Rumpelstiltskin's curse, is that he would have an object that belongs to every person. Everybody's got me thinking about what those preparations were, even though I just shrugged it off as a line. (laughs) And Mr. Gold says that trust is a big ask for uh, having with August, since... August was Pinocchio, and po- Pinocchio was known for lying, for, for going being astray. naughty. Yeah. <laughs> naughty boy. <laughs> when uh, it comes to that scene of Regina and David together. Now, do we Dan, have to discuss this? Dan, you'd notice something on the wine bottle. Yes, it looked like a little gesture gesture like a little hat with bells it's hard to see and you only get very small you never see the whole thing Mm -hmm. but it definitely looked like that yeah we'll have a couple uh, enhanced pictures of that in the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 34 so you can check that out but and i liked how david said this is the best lasagna i've ever had or something and then he said you really know how to work some magic oh please stop now she just looks like hmm if you only knew or maybe just awkward well and he's just being all friendly and kind of oblivious to the whole thing naive about it drives me nuts but when he was leaving i really expected regina to pull his heart out Really? I'm yeah, so glad she did. That would have been spooky. <laughs> but I, I was thinking that because you could see the utter disappointment that she couldn't seduce him. Yeah. It's like, well, the only guy she's just seduced before, she's either plucked their heart out or they've been a genie. <laughs> yeah, but in Storybrooke, that hasn't happened yet. I don't think she can right. do it. I'm just going to put that out I, there. Yeah, that's true. But I was expecting to see it or to see some kind of violent <laughs> action 
happen. Something really? violent did happen. She broke a mirror. <laughs> if she's going to have another chance, and I think she's going to try again, she can't do anything like that. Or she might try something else against Mary Margaret, something more vicious. Or- Heather in the chat room is saying, Regina is so creepy when she gets too close to people. I have to agree. Oh, <laughs> I have to agree. I think there was a little bit of that on her part that was genuine. Like, not... I don't know how to explain this. I don't how think would I, so. I thought the whole thing was in desperation. She was desperation in more ways than one. She wants. She went after David for a specific vengeful reason, but she is always trying to fill the hole in her heart that she can't fill. Mm. And makes, so she was emotional for more reasons than one when he left. It makes me think of that movie Hook, when Hook, the one with Robin Williams. When Hook gets Robin, when he gets um, Peter Pan's children to love him. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite. That's kind of like that, isn't she? (laughs) (laughs) It was funny, though, when she tried to go in for that kiss. And David actually said something like, uh, I don't blame you or or something like that. And I just kind of in my mind added to it, because I'm Prince Charming. (laughs) (laughs) He was all, yeah, except there was definitely a silent, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Gross. I didn't like the line. This is great as it is, or something like that. He said, "This is like what did he say? Something like that." Yeah, yeah. Like we're great, just like we are. And I'm like, what? Well, he's doing that too because she just shared the story, which he believes yeah. that she is actually the one who saved him. So she, he feels like he actually does owe her something. And there um, was that conversation. I can't remember quite which episode it was in, but he was in the mayor's office talking to her. And that was the thing when she said something like, Oh, David, you don't know evil. If it was staring you in the face, <laughs> that, that yeah. whole, you remember that now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they've kind of gotten this deeper friendship and that's how he's happy with it staying. But when August takes Emma out of Storybrooke, she's convinced because Mr. Gold refused to help Emma so she, she goes to August and asks for this big picture. They leave Storybrooke. Now, when we were watching this, I was participating in our live chat a little bit, uh, which I try not to do during the live show, just during the commercial breaks. But uh, we do this, by the way, every Sunday when it airs in Eastern Time and Central Time. We do our live chat uh, for those who want to join and chat during the show over at noodle.mx slash live. So that would be 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday evenings. But uh, I I heard something and I looked up real quickly to see if I could see something too. But when Emma and August left Storybrooke, there wasn't any kind of visual thing that happened. But there was something like audio. I'm going to play this. All right. And I don't believe you. I'm not completely convinced either. But I'm not either. I just, I suggested you play this. And I, I, I liked it. I think a lot of people in the community might have heard this too. So this is the scene. They're on the road. It starts out with just a couple seconds before they cross over Storybrooke. They, cro- they cross over and then it fades to commercial. So here it is. Did you hear that sound right in the middle? It was kind of a vroom, vroom, and it wasn't it wasn't the motorcycle. Let me play it again. Listen for it after it's after about three seconds into this, two and a half seconds or three. Right now, followed by a little rumbling that wasn't the motorcycle, maybe. Well, yeah. So it happens right when they cross that line. Now, it doesn't sound like it's part of the music. 
because it doesn't really sound musical. But I wouldn't really go so far to say it was the sound of them leaving, like that their leaving caused a sound. I'm thinking it was just one of those production kind of things that they put in there to emphasize something happened. I think they I were know. trying to draw your attention to the sign and just make you like, oh, they're leaving. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm not going to say it that because they left, it they made a sound. The Storybrook bubble. Because <laughs> <laughs> it sounded a little similar to <laughs> the certain other sounds like with Snow White's kiss and all that stuff. Hmm. But yeah, I don't know if it was really meant to stand out at all. So then they go and we see Interstate 95, which is a real interstate that goes through Maine. I've been on it many times. <laughs> yeah, it goes like all up that coast, right? The eastern all coast. New England, have you been in Storybrook? I don't know. I might have. I've got to go back. <laughs> we have to go back. <laughs> the crab shop they stop at was um, Chant- Chantley's or Chanty's Lobster House. And that does not exist. It's nowhere on Google Maps, by the way. So they added that. They changed that name. There are plenty of lobster houses along the coast, along I-95 in Maine and uh, Massachusetts and all of that. But Didn't didn't um, Emma kind of comment on the crabs, like, like the lobsters? Like she said, why is there a coal mine under Storybrook? Wouldn't, there be, wouldn't it make more sense for there to be like lobsters or <laughs> yes. something? Yes. Yeah, well, because the New England is a good area for lobster fishing. <laughs> Not quite what you'd call it. Lobster fishing. But the article that August pulled out that had a picture of that diner is actually the same article that Emma was looking at in True North when she was reading or thinking about it when August first came into town. Now, in that article, there wasn't a picture attached. She had cut it off below the picture. But what August pulled out of his pocket did have the picture of the diner they were standing in front of. So wherever he has been staying, he apparently gets the paper every Sunday morning. Yeah. Which we still don't know where he's staying, because he does talk about this here. And it's a a place that we haven't been able to figure out yet, correct? Wait, where he's staying in Storybrooke? Where he was in the real world when... He was in Phuket. Yeah. Okay. Which, by the way, is (laughs) also a lost reference. Yes. Because uh, Jack Mm -hmm. went to Phuket. Mm Mm-hmm. And he said, and uh, August had said, there were many pleasures there. Yeah. yeah. So, Pleasure okay. Island. That yeah. makes sense. Now, I know what lost reference you're talking about. Were lemurs there? <laughs> I don't know about the lemurs thing. <laughs> but it is funny that what we know about August, he said several times, I don't lie. Well, even in the actual book, Adventures of Pinocchio, he does say, I don't lie. Mm. I never lie. Interesting. But he does lie. He does lie. Liar. As apparently does the Blue Fairy when it's necessary. Mm-hmm. Quote, necessary. So then he takes Emma out to that tree. And I didn't see it the first time, but you guys pointed out the hole is there still in the tree. It Jenny caught it. I didn't even see it. Uh, what? It, Wait, or did... It's very hard to see. Oh, I did. Yeah. The hole. The yeah. hole. It is hard to see. I was yeah. looking for it on the front of the tree. It was around the side of the tree, so it's really hard to see. Yeah, I don't know why they did that, unless they actually made a hole in a tree, or had a fake tree <laughs> with a hole in it, but then they decided that the staging was better on a different side, and so they just sort of made it work. I, I don't know. even know. It was very hard to see. Like, it was dark, and there was moss. But it <laughs> comes back to, I wonder, what would have happened if Emma had touched the tree? 
or touch his because leg. Because she is magical, so <laughs> could she have? Would she, is she going to get sucked into fairy tale land? <laughs> I, I hope not. That would nope. be stupid. You, you know what? You're mentioning that brings up a crazy theory, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and include this. This came from Brad, a crazy last scene prediction for Once Upon a Time. Hi, this is Brad in Chicago. I really enjoy your podcast. I think it's really, really well done. Uh, it's one that I, I listen to first all the time. I had a prediction. Um, I think the last scene, or the snake in the mailbox, in uh, the first season is going to be Emma ending up in the fairy tale world. I don't know why I thought that I actually had to dream last night, and I woke up, and she was there. And I know <laughs> there's been some comments that say the ending will blow people's mind. Well, that would blow my mind. Somehow she ends up there. I don't know if it's in the past or in the present and nobody else is there, but somehow she ends up away from Storybrooke and in the fairy tale world. Hmm. Thanks. Bye. What if she just touched August? Because, <laughs> I mean, yeah. well, he was she's part done of her. She has? Motorcycle. When? Yeah. Well, he's but never coat. <laughs> never touched his skin. Yeah. Oh, what if she, like, touched his head? Or his leg or, touched or something. his face. Yeah, Emma, you must believe. You need to touch my leg in order to believe. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Are you pulling my leg? <laughs> oh, my goodness. I knew a man with a wooden leg named August. Did you understand the snake in the mailbox reference? No. Somewhere around <laughs> season three or so, if not sooner. Of Lost. The, yeah. Yeah, of Lost. The producers started codenaming the last scene of each season finale. And the season three finale's final scene's code name was oh. the snake or the rattlesnake in the mailbox. And they would tell people weeks in advance what the code name was just to <laughs> let them try to figure it out. Oh, there was okay. one code named Frozen Donkey Wheel. Yes, I remember that one. <laughs> and they, they told don't people help. weeks in advance that that was the code name, but you didn't understand until you saw it. Hmm. So that's what he was talking about there but i've i've kind of wondered the same thing if emma and possibly others will end up in fairy tale land if not this year you know next year maybe well and what if it happens that she goes back before the curse like back in time yeah we haven't seen anybody time jump yet well we don't know uh we don't know if that's possible yeah like you're saying well we've seen Belfire went through and we assume he came to our world did he come 150 years or so before the curse because that's when he used the bean is probably about 150 years before the curse Mm. or did he come around the same time as Mm. emma and is he henry's father that's a theory out there so did he come at that same time if so then the time jumping it's it's not so much a time jump because they're different worlds. Different timelines. Who's to say when you leave one world's timeline in one point, what point you'll enter the next world's right. timeline. But when we looked at the Mad Hatter and Regina going into um into what the the uh, the hat, yeah. Yeah. Going into the hat but and going Wonderland. Into world. Wonderland, thank you. Um it, there didn't seem to be any time shifting or anything like that they left and they came back true but it could be something else like time flows differently in different worlds so in wonderland like we just haven't seen anything like that in the actual alice in wonderland time flowed differently in wonderland than it did in real life so when they came back it was if nothing had changed same with narnia things like that so Mm -hmm. yeah 
So Emma or August, <laughs> you, I thought, wow, Emma's going to see that his leg is wood and she's they're probably going to disbelieve it in some way. Like, oh, great. You've got a wooden leg. Congratulations. Where'd you get that kind of thing? But I was I, waiting for him to show her that. Yes. I was waiting and I was thinking, oh, she's got to believe. Your denial is more powerful than I thought. It's preventing you from seeing truth. Okay. You don't want to believe. After everything you've seen, why can't you just do it? Her denial is blinding her. It's not like that she's lacking faith. She is shutting out the prospect of faith. Which? And, and that's blocking her vision of seeing these magical things. I wouldn't have believed a hole in a tree. I mean, it's just a hole in a tree. But if I had seen a wooden leg, I would have believed that. <laughs> and yet, by this point, she's met Jefferson. She's met Henry. She's now met August and anybody else who believed these crazy things and she's seen weird stuff. She seemed pretty desperate to hold on to her disbelief. Yes. In that scene, the way she was yelling at him and sort of desperate about this whole idea. It sounds like a lot of responsibility. He's like, he's telling her that she needs to save the world. He's like, I don't want to be a superhero. Well, and, and with (laughs) Jefferson, he was clearly crazy to her because he's a creep who's spying on the daughter of his neighbors. Yeah. And he kidnapped Mary Margaret. Yeah. Yeah. And he asked her to make a hat. (laughs) Yeah. So, so Jefferson clearly looks just weird to her. So they all look crazy, but it's the same crazy, which doesn't make any sense. I thought she started to believe when Jefferson disappeared out that window. I don't know. I I thought she started to. Maybe. Yeah, maybe some little hints here and there. And then this, this is someone now that she's trusted who's telling her the same thing. Because remember, it it was the last couple episodes when she found the bug, she realized, I've been trusting the wrong people. Basically, she said that to August, basically saying Mm -hmm. that, I'm sorry, I trust you. Yeah. And that's what August was saying to uh, Mr. Gold in the last episode is that Emma trusts him. And that's mm-hmm. why Mr. Gold allowed him to continue trying to convince Emma. Right. Plot hole, by the way. She didn't go looking for Jefferson. The guy's a kidnapper in her mind, and he disappeared. <laughs> yeah. And she didn't go looking for him. Maybe she really is the worst sheriff ever. <laughs> Jed sent in a voicemail about August and Emma together. Hey, this is Jed. I'm from Syracuse, Utah. And my Twitter is at one seven. J-E-D-A. Um, in the last episode, The Strangers, uh, I thought it was funny when uh, August and Emma leave Storybrooke that they actually showed them coming out of the crossroad that actually turned onto the exiting. And that's something that you guys have discussed before, that the exit of Storybrooke didn't have anything that cut off and or do anything that give anybody a reason to even be on that road. I found it funny that the producers threw that in there and it almost seems like they're listening to your podcast (laughs) (laughs) keep doing awesome thanks bye that's hilarious i did kind of notice that i I at least thought hey they left storybrooke on a different road than normal (laughs) or or it seemed that way well yeah yeah because it's always been this long road and then the sign but this was actually a different sign and they turned right before the sign Unless maybe they were always oh, coming from the other. It looked like street. a different road to me. Mm. Maybe 
we just didn't see the traditional exit or the traditional um, welcome to Storybrooke sign. But I think it is the same leaving Storybrooke area. We've just not seen it from this angle before. And then we come to the scene with Marco in his garage as he's working on this clock. And then August comes in and he, August gives Marco the exact same advice that Geppetto gave Pinocchio when Pinocchio was repairing the clock is that he said, align the gears, then push in the screen. Mm -hmm. And it was the repeated line there. And he learned one thing about clock fixing (laughs) on that clock. Well, it was the same clock, too. It was. Yeah. And in that course of conversation, Geppetto said, well, your father must be proud. And the last, or Marco said that, the last thing Geppetto, one of the last things Geppetto said to Pinocchio before sending him through the wardrobe, is he said, someday I'll see you again and you'll make me proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rewatching that scene made me really sad. I mean, he's sitting there knowing that he's putting the, his seven-year-old boy in there and he's not going to see him until he's 35. Yeah. Well, he didn't know that, though. What do you mean? Oh, wait. Yeah, he didn't 28th know that. birthday. He expected yeah. that. Yeah, 28 years. Yeah. And I thought um, a neat thing, which we all noticed that the boat had the name Judy on it. And the only thing I could find for um, a connection between that is, as you remember, I don't know if you remember the Disney movie um we have pinocchio uh performing as the professor is moving him and he's singing i have no strings or i got no strings um so judy there's this act called punch and judy it's a traditional popular puppet show featuring the characters of mr punch and his wife judy it was to pity the depict <laughs> it was a pity <laughs> yes it was an interaction between two characters and it is often associated with traditional english seaside culture and the neat thing is the professor is actually what they call the person that's the puppeteer inside the booth, which is what they call in the Pinocchio. So, um, they Punch and Judy. And although I didn't see that Judy appears in the actual 19, uh, 1883 book, um, Pinocchio by Carlo Collodi, um, I did see that Pinocchio and Judy are together in a Pinocchio musical. It's, mm. um, yeah, by Eugene Jackson. So I did find Judy in there. I wasn't able to verify whether he was in the book or not, but neat little possible connection between Judy and the boat. Hmm, awesome. And I I wanted to see August touch Geppetto and Geppetto remember, like just suddenly, my boy, like you know, some kind of <laughs> some kind of memory there. I wanted to see it so badly, but it didn't happen. I don't think that's gonna happen though. I don't think people remember because, I mean, we had Mary Margaret and David kiss and they still don't remember who they are. They just know, hey, I like you. You like me. Hmm. Yes. The, uh, hmm. I was going to say they're all cursed and it worked with Emma and Graham. Sorry, I said his name because she has magic because she's not cursed. Graham, 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 Graham. <laughs> Thank you. Get over it. Thank you. <laughs> Maybe, uh. Maybe Pinocchio just doesn't have magic because he's not really cursed either. Maybe. He needs magic. Now, we got a few uh, emails related to this episode that I want to read because there are some, there's some great feedback here. Uh, one of them is maybe what will happen with Pinocchio and Geppetto. This came from Miss Mike. 
She said, I heard somewhere, possibly on your podcast, that we should expect to lose a character, and just this morning I thought of a potential heartbreaking possibility. Pinocchio appears to be fading fast, too fast to be saved since Emma is still not a believer. It seems the only way to shake her up a bit would be his death, whether he turns to wood fully or not. Death surely leaves you stiff as a board. What might happen is that Geppetto will learn that Pinocchio is his son right before his death, probably during his last few breaths where they will have time to share a quick goodbye. By then, he will have at least had the opportunity to spend time with his son, even if he wasn't aware it was him until his death. You're upsetting people in the chat room. (laughs) Emma might come around once she hears from Geppetto that Pinocchio was his son, etc., I don't think she will see a wooden man, just that he is dead. After all, I think the message of faith is important. She will eventually have to have faith of the truth, as in Christianity. She will never have concrete proof. Hopefully, this would do it. Then again, we might have to suffer through the deaths of others until Emma gets the message. From Miss Mike. By the way, I was thinking the whole gravy or butter they could have the very end. Emma gets the choice: Graham or Booth. Oh, <laughs> <That's> terrible! <laughs> if he oh. dies, then it will just be a message that if men wear skinny jeans in Storybrooke, they die. <laughs> <laughs> Noni is saying, "If the men are cute, they die." <laughs> <laughs> and then Dream Drop Distance sent in this idea about August as possibly Storybrooke's writer or Storybooks writer. Hey, this is Dream Drop Distance, and I have a theory about August slash Pinocchio that I think has been thrown around a bit already. I think August wrote Henry's storybook. He's mentioned before that he's a writer, and we now know that he is probably the only one besides Regina and Rumpel that remembers his past life and is also willing to share it. So I think he wrote the book as a way for him to remember what has happened to him and also because he hoped it would somehow find Emma. Shame on him for leaving her in the first place. But he was such a cute kid, I couldn't help but forgive him immediately. (laughs) So, what are your thoughts on August being the writer? Love the podcast, Dream Drop Distance. It's a good theory, but why would he leave himself out? I've all well, maybe he felt guilty or was trying to protect his identity. I've thought that was a good theory. But unless he had been given many of the stories through the years and somehow remembered them, or I don't think he had them when he came through, how would he know everything that's in the book? If everything we've seen from Fairytale Land is in the book. The Blue Fairy actually makes a whole lot more sense now that that theory has been put out there. I like Malcolm's theory there. Amy sent this in, and I've heard this on other podcasts. I don't think we ever mentioned it here. Amy says, I'm not sure if this has been pointed out yet or not. But August Wayne Booth is A-W-B, could have stood for a wooden boy, (laughs) equals Pinocchio. Wow. Well, she says, can't wait for your thoughts on the final two episodes. I don't know. I think this could be one of those things that maybe it's convenient for us. Like, we found something that makes sense for those initials to stand for. It's a better connection than anything we were trying to come up with yeah. earlier. And I heard this on, on both um, the Once Upon a Time fan podcast with Jeff and Colleen. And I've also heard this on uh, the Once Upon a Time podcast with, I can't remember those guys' names, but it's from the DVMP <laughs> Empire. 
and also on SQPN's podcast, which is the Secrets of Once Upon a Time. So I've heard it in like everyone else's except ours. <laughs> but uh, it is, it's a good idea. But I just don't know it. It almost seems like we invented that kind of idea. I don't know, but that's not what they necessarily intended. I don't know. So some great feedback, some great theories, and there are a whole lot more over in the forums over at onespodcast.com slash forums. And we'll have some links to some interesting conversations as well in the show notes for this episode and screenshots and all of that, which will be at onespodcast.com slash 33. If you liked content on this episode and the content that's shared in this or anything like that related to this episode of Once Upon a Time, either join the forums and discuss it there or comment on the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 34. And if you have feedback about the upcoming episode, which will be the second to last episode, I think it's going to be a really cool one then please keep our feedback information handy. Email feedback at oncepodcast.com or call 903-231-2221. You can also go to oncepodcast.com and click the send a voice message tab to send us a message right there from the website. Please follow us on Twitter as twitter.com slash oncepodcast. And we would love to have you join us if you're in the Cincinnati area or anywhere within a drive of Cincinnati. Join us for the season finale party. You can find out more about that and purchase your ticket. Please do it by this Sunday. Uh, That's our cutoff for this. Uh, You can do that over at oncepodcast.com slash party. And we'd love to see you there as we watch this awesome season finale. We'll live stream the podcast if we have the bandwidth for that. And we'll have a microphone for you if you join us there. And we might even take some live calls since it'll be the season finale and it will be so awesome. But check that out at oncepodcast.com slash party. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I'm Daniel J. Lewis, and you can follow me at the ramen noodle. I'm Jeremy Laughlin. You can follow me at twitter.com slash fleegon. That's P-H-L-E-G-O-N. And I'm Dan Flynn. You can follow me at twitter.com slash Design. And I'm Jenny, and you can follow me at twitter.com slash Snook. So we're so glad that you've joined us for this episode. Check out the show notes over at oncepodcast.com slash 34. So remember, as long as you remain brave, truthful, and unselfish, you will always remain a real boy. Thanks for listening. One's podcast is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our podcasts over at noodle.mx. Special thanks to our sponsors for this episode of One's Podcast. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, go to onespodcast.com slash sponsor.